Hi, everybody. This is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town, and although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world fall by, we sat on our stoops. You know, it seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. In East Harlem, back in the 70s and 80s, Whitey supplied fireworks to the neighborhood. Merchandise that had fallen off backs of trucks was supplied by the wise guys on the avenue. Cats? Well, they were supplied by Pete. Pete the Cat Man. He was a homeless man upon appearance, but in fact he owned a brownstone on my block. He lived in a ramshackled first floor of the otherwise empty four-story building that had this cloud of cat urine around the property line. In fact, you could see it if you squinted just right. He was a soft-spoken small man with white hair, and he pushed a shopping cart around the neighborhood collecting bottles, cans, or whatever struck his fancy. He wore the same old dirty clothes, and he lived like a pauper, but he always had plenty of food for his gang of kitties. He was a nice man, he was lonely, and me and my friends would often say hello to him and sometimes chat. When I got older, I would send him Christmas cards, and I always hoped they made him happy. It's no secret that I love animals. Dogs, birds, bugs. Well, water bugs may be the exception. Tapers, pigs, otters, you name it. But like Pete, there has always been a special spot in my heart for the fuzzy felines. I can't pass a cat without saying hello. They know I like them, and our bond is almost instant. As a kid, I befriended any cat that wandered by my building or into my yard, and I rescued numerous ones, and I never forget my most joyous and most heartbreaking memories are centered around kitties. I sort of have an immediate and innate distrust of people who say they hate cats. At the risk of generalizing, they tend to be insecure, over-macho tights, without a control egos, and feel a need to control. A cat's love is not received by having an owner-pet relationship. A cat's love is earned, and when it is, you will be overwhelmed with the most sincere form of affection. They can be moody and very independent. I guess they still recall their Egyptian past and never let you forget it. But they are also very loyal, very loving. I feel bad for those who have never bonded with a kitty. They're also beautiful animals and I love photographing them. One of my favorite photos I ever took hangs on the wall right above where I'm recording this. It's of a red tabby sitting on the ancient gray rocks of Pompeii. When I was in sixth grade, I was heading to school and greeted by a cute ginger cat I had made friends with and hung out around my stoop with. I picked him up and decided to bring him to the schoolyard to show my friends. But when we got closer, he got scared and wormed his way out of my grip and raced off down 119th Street. I was nervous for him, but I figured he'd be fine since he had survived on the streets. The next day, my stupid classmate, who was kind of a bully and, and I had a mean streak, told me he had seen the cat, dead, on 119th Street. I was devastated. He was almost definitely BSing me, but I would never be able to prove or disprove his story. I can't recall ever seeing the cat again. So this only made me want to help stray cats more than ever, and maybe part of the reason why cats hold an extra special place in my heart. We move like cages, tigers.
I would, when I got older, volunteer at a cat adoption center in New York City called Ollie's Place for years and created the first ever gay cat wedding, the marriage of Solomon and Bruno, to help promote the shelter. It made a social media splash from coast to coast. The wedding video I created is still available online. You can Google it. Maybe I'll put the link on the Stoops of Atlanta's Facebook page. Cats weren't still are a great source of entertainment. As a kid, I used to get up early on Saturday mornings during the summer and lift the small, narrow window of our second-floor bathroom to gaze out over the backyards. I'd actually have to stand in the toilet and lean on the sill so I could see. In the 70s and early 80s, Pete the Catman was king, and his gang of cats ruled the backyards on the north side of 118th Street. The fur it flies, leaves its mark on me as it takes to the air a floating symphony. You're a comic, a mystic, a piece of luxury. During this kitty golden age, Pete had about 25 cats of all shapes, sizes, colors, personalities. He had named them all, but me and my sister Laura had come up with some of our own. There was Brandy and Butterfly, Salt and Pepper, Blue and Aldorf, Jenny Winsky from the kids' book we loved, Rocky, Romulus and Remus, etc., etc., and our own kitty Rosie. The drama would play out in the peaceful, tranquil summer mornings as the dew glistened on the stink trees, and the air was still coated with nighttime coolness. I'd buy you the moon, you'd take the box it comes in. You're a little hermit crab wrapped in leopard skin. Everywhere except the place you should have been Teach me all your tricks My cat Rosie was our first. I grew up with two amazing dogs. Gypsy was a white lab and without a doubt the smartest dog that ever walked the earth. Sheba, she was a lovable dizzy Irish setter that blessed our homes in the 80s. We decided to get our first cat in the mid-70s when there was a series of mice making the appearance on my mother's stove. My mother always played herself off as not wanting animals around, but she always ended up falling in love with every dog and cat that became part of the DeSerto clan. When it was a choice between rodents or felines, there was no contest. Rosie was a reddish-orange tabby who had a white pattern on his side that spelled the word coin and a little black dot on the tip of his nose. My sister Donna, always writing songs, would come up with a little ditty, and it became a standard in our house for years. Rosie has a nose with a dot. Rosie has a nose with a dot. Rosie has a nose. Rosie has a nose. Rosie has a nose with a dot. Well, it's not Eleanor Rigby or anything, but it used to make us laugh. That coin marking and the dot came in handy once when Rosie went missing for a week. He was spotted by my friend Joe in my neighbor's hallway, and we were able to confirm it was him with the coin and the dot. I think that the zeitgeist of a time is not only a reflection of the human race, but all life. There was a mafia on the avenue, but there was also a feline mob that ruled and controlled the territories of the overgrown backyards. Rosie, he, he ran with a dangerous crowd. And I'm not sure he was ever made as a kitty gangster, but I witnessed numerous attempts to have him whacked. Rosie was buddies with Rocky, 
what I believe was the uh, Gato de Tutu Gato, you know, the cat of all cats, the big cheese. I would see them wandering around the yards together, chatting, having sit-downs with other cats. I even witnessed the hijacking of a few bags of Meow Mix and the assassinations of a few pigeons of the genus Stoolus Urbanus Birdus, the stool pigeon. From my vantage point, I could see the expanse of about six yards. I knew every piece of fauna in those yards, every tree, plant, insect, rock. There were stink trees, a pear tree, a few fig trees, my crab apple tree, and a pretty but mess-making boysenberry tree that dropped tons of its fruit and stained the concrete area in the front of my yard with bright blue stains. There were pill bugs and centipedes, millipedes, ladybugs, and many ant colonies. On summer evenings, just after sunset, the yellow-green lights of the fireflies would twinkle and provide another media-free form of entertainment. There were all sorts of birds in Manhattan, and the chance to see a cardinal with its cherry-red plumage singing amongst the crab apples was always a special sight. There were blue jays, crows, blackbirds, woodpeckers, and even an occasional falcon that would perch on the pinnacle of the Holy Rosary Church steeple. We had quite the menagerie, and the cats, well, they wanted to hunt and kill them all. It was enthralling to watch from my godlike perspective of the bathroom window. A naive blue jay singing its heart out on a high branch of the Whisper Lady's pear tree while Rosie stalked through the bushes that had made an ineffective fence between my yard and Mary's yard. Mary's old dog, Corky, would rarely be out that early, so the cats roamed those yards freely. Rosie, demonstrating the amazing patience and stealth of its furry ilk, would move step by step, his eyes focused on his prey, and then in an explosion of feline form would fly up the trunk out onto a branch where the bird waited. Sometimes he would grab his treasure, and other times the delicate branch couldn't hold his weight and would bend like a gag pencil. The bird would fly off laughing and poor Rosie would hang by his front claws like a circus performer until his life, and more importantly to a cat, his dignity were safe on a stronger branch below. A rain of ripe pears would go thumping down to Christine the Whisper Lady's yard below. I mentioned the Whisper Lady in a past episode. She lived two buildings west of me and had a wide open yard with a lawn and a pear tree. She was a nice old woman, but somewhat of a gossip, and had the habit of whispering across the yards when she wanted to talk to my parents. My dad loved to have fun with her by shouting back, What? I can't hear you. Why? What'd you say? And she would jump up and down and wave him off nervously, not wanting anyone else to hear her tawdry news. She would repeat her story a quarter decibel louder, and my father would repeat the routine while I would crack up. The whisper lady always had a parakeet, and she would often come out into the yard with a little blue and yellow perched on the tip of her finger, talking to it softly, trying to get it to speak to me and my friends. It did squawk a hello a few times, but it could not match the talent of Danny Dunn's green parrot, who cursed in German. More on him in future episodes. One morning, as I gazed out at the yards, a strange cat entered my yard. I had never seen this particular feline. He was rich, dark brown, and had a mane. Seriously, like a male lion. There was something sinister in his eyes, and my memory may be failing me here, but I'm pretty sure he was wearing a fedora and had a holster on his front leg. Another cat, a chubby gray one, followed. This thug had a stubby cigar in his puss, and I recall seeing the shimmy of a coin being tossed repeatedly into the air and falling back into his fat front paw. The two took seats on the back wall of my yard that divided the property line of my house and the church. Between the wall and the church was a wood and brick graveyard a little purgatory of clubhouse construction materials. I recall finding, to my horror, a dead cat back there once, and peeking at it from time to time as the maggots devoured it. I'm sure these two had something to do with its demise. A third wise cat joined the others. It was a gangly orange dude with an out-of-control nip habit, 
and he looked around nervously as he plopped down in one of the concrete planters atop the wall filled with a lush growth of weeds. Finally, a fourth showed up, a big guy with a ratty tuxedo. He took the planter on the opposite side of the wall. He seemed to be mumbling to himself. He looked a little twisted in the coconut. I had never seen any of these cats before. They may have been hired guns, maybe flown in from Naples or Kathmandu. I ran to tell my sister Laura. Should we intervene? Was Rosie in serious trouble? We went downstairs and opened the door that led from the kitchen to the yard. We could see the quartet hanging out, waiting. We walked into the yard and their eyes casually, and in a totally could care less way, turned to us. The coin was tossed, the cigar puffed, and I'm certain the cat with the mane casually lifted his front leg to show off the holster. We stepped closer. They didn't move an inch. I glanced across the yards, and I could see Rosie spying on the whisper lady's bird as if he had not a care in the world. Then I noticed the furry calico form sliding up beside him, purring and rubbing her head against Rosie's. It was Salt, Pepper's girlfriend. This was not good. Pepper was a business associate of Rosie. I think they ran a backyard gambling business or something. When I was a kid, you can't expect my memory to be perfect and Salt and Pepper were a hot item. Rosie was risking his friendship, his business connections, not to mention his life. What was wrong with my little red pussycat? Had he had gone off the high branch and totally lost his mind? Laura was getting scared, and the cat with the mane was really giving her the willies. I took another step, and the cat stood fast. They were like the cat statues at Belfast Castle, frozen like stone. I looked to Rosie, and he must have heard us, and he was heading our way. He was walking into a trap. Was he going to get thrown a beating right in front of me and my sister? Were the fearsome foursome going to pull out machine guns and rat that 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 make Swiss cheese out of Rosie? Rosie hopped up on the short wall that divided our yard from Mary's with a boysenberry tree. He looked at us and gave us a short smile. He never saw the gang. I tried to give him a subtle gesture with my eyes to you know, hightail it inside. He didn't catch my drift. I thought I saw the chubby cat with the coin nod to the others. I saw the blue-black glint of a machine gun barrel. Well, maybe it was his free collar. Don't look at me like that, Moxie. I'm your pal, Moxie, your buddy pal. Yeah. It's chitons for you, Rocky. Chitons. No. No, not that. No, no. Chitons, you understand? Chitons. Yeah. Then my yard door opened and Gypsy came rushing out, barking. Her toenails made that tippity-tip sound that she raced to the rear of the yard. The gang scattered, beaten by the fuzz. Well, the fuzz of a brave white lab. Hide me, pal. Hide me. Don't let the coppers get me. I'm not sure if Rosie ever knew what he had escaped from. Never saw those stud cats again. They probably hightailed it back to Naples. Rosie, being an outdoor cat, did not live very long. We had him for about four years, and then he died of an infection from a neck wound from a bad fight, or a beating from a gang of thugs. I never did know. After Rosie, there was Bowie, then Gabriel and Calvin. There was Gagoots and Booney. Gabriel lived a wild life as well, and I was awakened one night by Gabriel having a row with one of his enemies under my bed. Four in the morning, the sound of two rustling lawnmowers jumped me from my sleep, followed by two flashes of fur out my room, out the kitchen window. Cats can play rough. My two kitties, Cosmo and Ralphie, can get into it, stalking and diving on each other with a few body slams, but it almost always ends with Cosmo licking Ralphie's face. It's all good fun. A real cat fight is ugly, violent, bloody. Not fun to witness. I broke up a few in my day with my garden hose. Sometimes the cats actually ignore the hose. Like I said, ugly. The bird flies, leaves a spark on me, but for the most part, by far, cats have been a very happy part of my life. And I have known many. From the two boys we have now, to way back to Catman Pete's menagerie. 
and the ones that were rescued around the stoops of Atlantis. This has been The Stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future episodes as we journey back to that ancient mythical land that actually existed, East Harlem. And please join the Stoops of Atlantis Facebook page, follow me on Twitter, and subscribe on YouTube or iTunes. See you next time.